Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. Hope you're doing well today. Uh, we are in the middle of a, a series. We're doing friendship, a friendship series. And, uh, you know, every, every year when it comes time for Mother's Day, I am a little bit, I'm not sure if I should just, you know, move, completely can what I was going to do in the series or if I should go ahead and um, go ahead with it. And so what we're going to do today, I'm going to split the difference a little bit. Okay, is that a good, okay deal? And so what I want to talk about, what, what I want us to think about today is I want us to think about what it means for us to have friendship in the fellowship of those who are following Jesus together. Something distinctive about the fellowship of people who are Jesus followers. And, and you're right, that doesn't sound very much like a Mother's Day sermon. But the subtitle of the sermon is Friendship in the Sermon on the Mount in 15 Minutes, okay? So there's your Mother's Day gift, and I hope you have a great time. If you choose to go out to lunch later, make sure and tip the waitress very well. It's a hard day for them to work. The teachings of Jesus shape us for friendship. And I very firmly believe that what Jesus is all the time shaping us and showing us through his life, through his miracles and the things that he proclaims in the gospel, all of those things are meant to shape us to be better humans. To be better humans, to be more like the people that we were created to be in the image of God. And I want to illustrate that today in thinking about how the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 can shape us to be the kind of humans that are ready for friendship in a different way. So turn, to me, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And after the introductory stuff, the, the, the Beatitudes, all those blessings that form the introduction to the sermon, and after that note about what it means to be people who are living a new kind of life before the law, the kind of life that will be salt and light, that will be an influence, that will shine something new and different around, to the people that we live around, the sermon turns towards a set of teachings that I think can be summarized like this. They are about practicing intentional love. So they shape us in terms of friendship to be friends who practice intentional love. And all of, like, all of the things that I'm about to say, this kind of goes both ways. On one hand, you need some friends like that. But that also demands that we all together become friends who practice this. Let me show you what I mean in Matthew chapter 5 with this idea of practicing intentional love. We have several different categories of teaching here. Okay, We get uh, these concerning uh, this, 
this section about anger and what it means to restrain ourselves from being people whose anger consumes us in the way that we live among other people. And then we have some teachings about adultery and divorce that are about maintaining the covenants that we keep. We get a little bit of a teaching about letting our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, speaking with integrity and allowing the things that we say to be full of truth, regardless of the kinds of oaths that we might take to reinforce it. I promise, I swear. And then we get a set of teachings about retaliation and what it means to be people who don't just eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but who are willing to allow some things to melt away, that allow the conflicts to dissipate without having to get our way every last time, without having to have the last word of revenge. And all that culminates in the last section of this chapter, beginning in verse 43 and following. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think all of these teachings together are about what it means to be people whose love is intentional, who decide the kind of relationship we're going to have with other people and don't just react to the way that we treat us. So we don't allow uh, just anger to foment and to, to blossom and to take fruit among ourselves. We draw ourselves back to the love that we have committed to have for each other. We don't allow conflicts to stand without having reconciliation, but we live, leave the gift at the altar and make reconciliation a priority. We don't just allow um, adultery to come in and break up the covenants that we have with our spouses, but we devote ourselves to the intention of our love that we began in. We allow our love to drive who we are in relationships. And it's a love that by God comes through us and isn't dependent on what the other person does or says or has against us. In fact, it goes so far that even if somebody were to become our enemy, and that's the way they think about us, we would still make it our intention to live with love towards them. All of this is about learning to love with intentional love, love that won't easily be set aside. And doesn't that make for a certain kind of friendship. Don't we all long for friendships who, that where the people love us, not just based on whether or not we were having a good day and we were in the kind of mood to treat them in a certain sort of way, but whether we are, they love us regardless of the circumstances that are happening in their life or in our life. Love that is driven by intention and not just circumstances and not just the ups and downs 
of life. People that are shaped by these sets of teachings of Jesus are more prepared to be the kind of friends that each of us long for. In the sixth chapter, there's a different kind of teaching. It's a very straight turn that Jesus makes in what he teaches his people beginning in chapter six. And it begins with this teaching about what it means to be a person who gives, giving from their heart without thinking about the way it is taken by what other people see. So there's like a secretness in our giving, a secretness in our charity. He goes from there and he teaches about prayer and he teaches something sort of similar that we should be people who pray in secret, who don't just pray for show, but whose prayers are driven by an intention to connect with God personally, secretly. And then fasting. Fasting is actually a public sort of thing or it, it easily can be. It's something that affects the sorts of things you do when you're at somebody else's dinner table, right? Eating is itself a public act, or at least it was in Jesus's day, as private as we have made it. And so this teaching about fasting is learning to take on this spiritual discipline in a way, and he pushes it into this radical dimension. Even the fasting sort of thing should be taken with a layer of secrecy. In all of these things, Jesus is teaching not the same sort of track that he is in chapter five. Here, I think he's teaching us about what it means to be people who cultivate a deep inner life, a spirituality that is something that is within us and not just for show. And you may not have put it on your list of things that are important for friendship, but all of us need friends who cultivate and who tend their own inner spirituality. I think it becomes more evident as the chapter progresses from these obvious spiritual disciplines. Jesus goes on in verse 19 and following to say, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then just a few verses later, he's gonna talk about what it means to be a people who relate to the rest of the world, not in terms of our anxieties and our concerns and all of the worries that so naturally bubble up within us, but instead live with a quiet inner confidence of God's willingness to take care of us. I think all of this, all of this internal stuff has something to do with the way that we relate to the world. And you know, if you have a friend who has done the internal work to tend to their internal spirituality, it makes a difference in how they relate to you. Or to say it the other way around, it is hard to be friends with people whose inner life is complete chaos. When we don't do the internal work, it makes us anxious. It makes us never, uh, never ceasing to be people pleasing around that track. 
It makes us manipulative and it makes us desire to like get other people, compel other people to do what we want them to do, to make us happy. But a person whose internal life is ordered, who has dealt with the things that drive them into anxiety and who has done the internal work to place their life before God and to decide to live in peace with God no matter what everybody else sees. This is a treasure of a friendship. And when friendships can get out of the trap of the anxiousness that comes with trying to fix each other or trying to get somebody else to fix us. That is a different kind of peaceful friendship. And it is a blessing that too few of us know and understand. In chapter seven, Jesus moves into another vein altogether. And it begins with this idea of not judging other people which is really a concept of taking stock of our own souls as well. Sort of makes a bridge between what he's been doing in the last chapter. And out of our own understanding of ourselves before God, we live with grace towards the people with whom we share life. From that, from that grace, Jesus is going to teach us about what it means to be people who uh, ask God for what we need, who seek first the kingdom of God, and to be those who will knock at the door of God's kingdom over and over again. He's going to teach us about what it means to be people who prepare ourselves to bear good fruit and to be people who not only hear the word that Jesus offers us, but who are committed to doing it like a wise builder who builds his house on the rock and not on the sand. And I think I would take all of these things in chapter seven of Matthew and think about what it means to be people or friends who pursue the kingdom of God, to be people who take all of that love and intention to live with love in the world and take that work that we're doing to work on our internal spirituality and everything that we are and everything that we're becoming is devoted to seeking and pursuing God's will in our world. It becomes about what it means for us to be people who, as we seek the kingdom of God, are able to restrain ourselves from being judgmental towards others and instead throw ourselves into being gracious people who practice mercy as a discipline. It's teaching us to be people who in all the things that we do, in all the different ways that we relate to others in the world, we are showing ourselves to be on the mission of pursuit of the kingdom of God. Listen, it is one of my convictions in the world that the things that Jesus teaches us, not just make us better humans in this one little box of spirituality. They don't just make us better church people. They make us better people in the neighborhood. 
They make us better people in the office, better people in the school. They actually shape us to be better friends. I think it's not just an accident of the kind of church subculture that I live in, that some of my favorite friends in the world are Jesus-shaped people. And if I would give you testimony today, I would tell you that Jesus-shaped friendship is a blessing in my life. And I want it to be that kind of blessing for the rest of the world too. I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves as people who are following Jesus together is what kind of difference does our Jesus following make not just to us, but what difference does our Jesus following make for the rest of the world? And maybe the first people to ask would be our friends. What kind of difference has your Jesus following made for your friends? And as speaking as somebody who is friends with so many of you, I think your Jesus following makes a tremendous difference to me. Let us be people who drink deeply of the word of Jesus, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of all of the people that we live around. Jesus ends this sermon with this parable of the wise and foolish builders. And sometimes we sing a song about that. The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? I'm kind of surprised y'all didn't sing along, but you know, I'm on a clock here today. And my least favorite verse of that in total is blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessings come. You guys know this verse? That's not in the sermon. Except for if we think about it as the blessings come down, not just for ourselves, but for other people. In other words, as my prayers go up, my blessings, blessings from God will come down on the friends that I share life with. That's how Jesus ends the sermon. But of course, he begins with the Beatitudes. Maybe today I'll add one more to the list and say, blessed are those who have friends who follow the way of Jesus. For they too have seen God. Let's pray together. O giver of all good things, who has given your people your word by the teaching of Jesus, would you shape us, form us by that sacred word so that we may practice among each other, among ourselves, and among the neighborhoods in which we live we may practice the sort of sacred friendship that gives honor and glory to your name. In Jesus, we pray. Amen.